So over the past few weeks, I've had some interesting questions and I kind of group all of my questions into different categories. And I know that when one person or two people have a question or a similar question, that more people out there have the same question, but just either are afraid to ask or maybe it slipped their mind or want to ask, whatever the reason is. But I am answering questions today and they all center around tax fraud and prison. I'm Deltrice Hart Anderson, keeping the IRS out of the pocketbooks, wallets, and bank accounts of taxpayers. So the first question that came in is, I'm being audited for my Schedule C expenses. I gave everything to my accountant. There may there may have been expenses that I didn't quite understand. I was not able to deduct. Is my accountant on the hook for any money that I have to pay back? Great question. So here's the thing. The accountant can only go so far, right? So I do my due diligence if I'm preparing a tax return and I will look at the source of where this information is being given to me to put on the tax return. For example, if I have a client that has a, um, a bookkeeper, right? And that bookkeeper is sending me their financial record. So the bookkeeper is sending a balance sheet, the bookkeeper is sending a profit and loss statement. Then I am going to comb through those financial statements to determine the legitimacy of those financial statements. I'm not auditing the financial statements, but I'm going to look through. So if, if let's say they have office expenses of $15,000, but they've never deducted $15,000 in office expenses before, or if they have income of $200,000, but the office expenses are $75,000. That looks a little suspicious to me. So I am going to bring that to their attention and me and my client will have a conversation. Hey, this is a lot of money in office expenses based on the income that you have. Let's discuss it. And it could be a mistake or it could be something legitimate, but I, I have those conversations. I'm not auditing the legitimacy of the financial statements. I'm just doing my due diligence to make sure it makes sense. Okay. Um, so if someone comes to me and they have the two computers from Office Depot that they purchased and they normally don't purchase computers, they could legitimately say, hey, I bought these two computers because I haven't bought computers from my office in five years. And we all know that computers, they used to last a long time, but they don't last as long anymore. So it is conceivable that this person is going to need two computers. Now, when that person purchases those two computers, if they just so happen to give one of those computers away to a family member, a, a son, a daughter, a niece, a nephew, I'm not going to know that. 
All I know is that they paid for the computers with company funds. And that's all I know. So if your accountant, your tax professional did their due diligence, then they're not on the hook for expenses that you may not have um, that you may have put on the tax return that you shouldn't have deducted. What could have happened, a, a better situation could have been if you would have brought those particular items to your professional's attention and said, hey, these are expenses. I'm not quite sure whether I can deduct or not. Let's go over those expenses. Then that would be something that if your accountant said, oh, sure, you can deduct that, um, I don't know, pocketbook or um, you could deduct that trip to Jamaica and they told you that you relied on the accountant's professional opinion, then yes, they could be on the hook. But otherwise, no, they're not on the hook. You are responsible for your tax return. I'll give you an example. There, um, there was this lady out of New York, Mary Boone. Mary was this big um, art gallery owner. And um, she was called like the queen of the art scene, right? Well, she pled guilty. She was sentenced to prison for tax fraud because she was filing her business and personal return with personal expenses. So she was paying for this remodel of her apartment. She bought a beauty salon. She bought... um items from Louis Vuitton and she wrote these things off as business deductions and she wasn't supposed to. So, and I forgot uh, she falsely inflated her expenses, her legitimate expenses. So it was just, it was a lot. So she ended up going to prison for tax fraud and your character is your character, right? Because, um, what was interesting about this case, how it um, kind of came across my desk to read back in 2016 there. Um, I, I'm sure you guys know the actor Alec Baldwin. She was sued by Alec Baldwin because she gave Alec Baldwin a fake painting. He won his case. They settled out of court, but it was like a seven figure sum. So, this lady, and I'm saying all of this because she falsified documents, right? She reported her income or she reported her expenses for personal reasons. She wrote off those expenses and she provided these check registers to her accountant. So she provided financial information to her accountant, but her accountant did not know that these documents were falsified. She knew what she was doing. Mary knew what she was doing, but the accountant didn't know. So all the accountant can do is go off of what you give them. So hopefully that answers your question. The accountant is only on the hook if they know that the documents are falsified, if the deduction, that the deductions are falsified. Here's another question. 
I work for a large company and I know for a fact that the CEO and other officers receive kickbacks. I am in the accounting department. Okay. They get paid for different things like personal credit cards and college tuition reimbursements. And other employees do not receive these reimbursements. Isn't this fraud? That is a great question. It all depends on how the company is set up and what, how the company is set up as well as the agreement that these, I'm assuming all of the people that you're talking about are at the the C-level or the chief or executive levels in your company. So there could be a clause in their contract to say they get reimbursements for certain things, right? Now, here's the thing. If they get reimbursed for those things, that's fine for as long as they report what they get reimbursed for as a fringe benefit. And somewhere, whether it's on the W-2 or whether it's an, an extra statement, it should be it should be included in the W-2, right? But if it's not included in the W-2, there should be a statement at the end of the year that those chief officers receive to say these are the extra things that we paid for that was not a part of the service that you provided. Hope that makes sense. I do have an example for you. There is a William Keith Jones. He is a CEO or was, I'm not sure if he is still or not, but um, he was a CEO of this company called Fasteners Inc. And they're out of Washington, Washington State. This CEO, he admitted to filing fraudulent tax returns. Now, he had to pay, I think it was um, maybe 400 something thousand when it was all said and done because he filed his return that included his salary from the company, but he did not include his tuition, children's tuition, credit card bills, landscaping expenses at his personal residence. So those things, even though the company paid for, those things are fringe benefits. They, they had nothing to do with the service that he was providing or the work that he was doing for the company. So he didn't report those things. He should have reported whatever dollar amounts they came up to because those dollar amounts, those tuitions and credit cards, they are taxable. So, yes, if the, to answer your question, if the W-2 is not showing or a supplemental statement is not showing the extra stuff that the CEOs or the, whatever the chief officers are being paid outside of their normal working salaries, then yes, that's tax fraud. But be very, before you start you know, digging in or reporting. I'm not sure what the end game is. Just make sure 
that this information is not being reported where it should be reported. Okay, it is common that CEOs or CFOs or COOs will receive additional funds, but those funds will be reported at the end of the year or should be reported, I should say. So I hope this answers your question um, and keep those questions coming. Thank you so much for this question. Another good question. Can I avoid paying taxes by opening up my business in my 14 year old son's name? That's a great question. So what you are trying to do is actually set up what's called a nominee account. And basically a nominee account, think of, um, and this is going back old school and I, I don't know if people still do it now, but think about it. Like, um, if, if you wanted a, a cell phone or if you, um, had utilities and you opened the utilities, um, account up in, in a child's name, this is something similar, okay? Or opened it up in your mom's name. That's what a nominee account is. A nominee account would be having an account or a business in someone else's name other than yours. So the money, because it seems like to me, and um, please just um, send me an email if this is not, um, if I'm not understanding it correctly, but the money seems like, it is you're earning the money, but you want to shift the income to your son because your son would be taxed at a lower rate. So this is not how you do that. Okay. Um, you are it, it in the eyes of the IRS. This would look like you are trying to create um, nominee entities or, or, a, or a nominee business to hide your income. And that's not what you want to do. Um, I do have an example. I, I tried to pick questions where I could find examples of how this is tax fraud and how it could land you a prison sentence. And that's not what we're going for. We're trying to not only keep the IRS out of your pocketbook, wallet and bank account, but we are also trying to keep the IRS um, from changing your address. Okay. <laughs> So um, there was this doctor, Kenneth Winberg, out of Oregon, and he ended up in prison because he created these nominee entities. So putting his business into another name and he did it to hide his assets and his income that he earned as a doctor with two different healthcare facilities. So. He opened up a different company. He opened up a different bank account and he would tell these healthcare facilities, hey, deposit my earnings, deposit my salaries into this nominee account. And that's wrong. You can't do that. So he also purchased real estate in this false business. Okay. He paid his personal expenses. Get the theme here, guys. This personal expenses paid from business accounts equals tax fraud. Okay. So 
he paid his personal expenses from the bank accounts of these nominee entities that landed him some prison time. And he also had to pay restitution. So you don't want those problems. You want to find a way. So the answer is no, don't put your business in your son's name because that doesn't solve the problem. If you are earning the money, then you should create the entity. Now, if your son works for you, or if it's truly your son's business and you work for your son, that's different. But that's not what it sounds like to me. To me, it sounds like you are going to earn the money, but you want the business in your son's name and you're not going to create the infrastructure to have it where it doesn't appear to be fraud. Hopefully that answers your question. If not, send me an email back letting me know what your intentions were. That's my time today, guys. Hope you learned something. Hope you can pass this on to someone that may have had this question or a similar question. I'm always open for questions. You can reach me at taxhelp at dheartaccounting.com. That's taxhelp at d-h-a-r-t accounting, all spelled out, dot com. I'm Deltrice Hart Anderson, keeping the IRS out of the pocketbooks, wallets, and bank accounts of taxpayers. Till next time, bye y'all.